It's Monday, April 1st. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're taking a look at U.S. aid to three countries in Central America. Over the weekend, the Trump administration said it wants to cut that cash because of the border crisis. We'll connect the dots on what this means for hundreds of thousands of people trying to escape violence and poverty in the Northern Triangle. Then, a whistleblower says White House officials approved a bunch of security clearances that would have otherwise been denied. We'll give you the details. And finally, taxes are due in two weeks. But are taxes something that robots should have to worry about? We're here to make your Monday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by H&R Block. Skim This is here to uncomplicate your evenings. H&R Block is here to uncomplicate your taxes. Their tax pros will help you make sure you get every credit and deduction you deserve. The most complicated story today is about refugees coming from the Northern Triangle. That's shorthand for the three northernmost countries in Central America, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. Immigration authorities warned last week that the U.S. immigration system has hit a breaking point. In February, more than 76,000 people were apprehended or turned themselves in at the southern border. More than half were members of families, mostly from those Northern Triangle countries. On Friday, President Trump reacted and abruptly announced that this week he wants to shut down the border between the U.S. and Mexico completely and cut government support to the Northern Triangle countries. We stopped payment to Honduras, to Guatemala, and to El Salvador. We were paying them tremendous amounts of money, and we're not paying them anymore because they haven't done a thing for us. Over the weekend, the State Department followed up on that and announced it was cutting off aid programs to the region to the tune of at least $500 million. So today, we're going to get into why the U.S. has been focused on the Northern Triangle for years, why the U.S. has been supporting the region financially, and what President Trump's announcement could mean for them. Okay, so Central America has been on the U.S.'s radar for a while. Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras are some of the most violent countries in the world. That violence goes back to the 1980s, when civil wars ravaged El Salvador and Guatemala. Around the same time, Honduras became a staging ground for the U.S.-backed Contra rebels who were trying to overthrow the Nicaraguan government next door. The violence that tore those three countries apart back then set the stage for the violent gangs and drug trafficking rings that exist there today. It's really dangerous there. Lots of people living in the Northern Triangle still don't trust their governments to look out for their best interest. And unemployment and poverty is high. Those are just a few reasons the U.S. keeps seeing an uptick in migrants coming from the Northern Triangle. Like we said, the majority of the undocumented migrants coming across the border today are families from this region. And instead of running from border agents, they're turning themselves in and asking for asylum. So how has the U.S. responded? This isn't a new issue. It's been going on for years. And for most of that time, the U.S. has tried to fix the problems in the Northern Triangle at the source. It's the idea that if life is easier for people who live there, they won't try to flee to the U.S. Back in the mid-2000s, President George W. Bush took an economic approach. He increased U.S. trade with Central America, and he gave those three Northern Triangle countries millions of dollars in aid to boost productivity. By the end of Bush's second term, the U.S. started shifting focus from supporting the economies to making the region safer. 
When President Obama took office, the U.S. put money toward training police forces there and focusing on crime prevention. But in 2014, a new surge of migrants started coming from the Northern Triangle. Tens of thousands of people, mostly unaccompanied children. Their parents were sending them on the long journey to get them away from the danger they were facing at home. The Obama administration responded by spending millions of dollars on TV and radio ads in those countries, warning families that smugglers are lying if they say it will be easy for kids to get papers in the U.S., and that instead they should protect their kids and keep them home. And the U.S. also started investing millions of dollars in other projects there, like agriculture in Honduras and vocational training for kids in Guatemala, things to address the root cause of why people were leaving. To be clear, most of this money doesn't go directly to the governments. It goes through NGOs, non-governmental organizations, who work with local and national governments to figure out where that money should be invested. And experts say significant aid only just got there. It could take longer for U.S. foreign investments to actually make a difference for people on the ground, to make people feel like it's safe to stay. Okay, that's why the U.S. is spending aid money in the Northern Triangle. So what is President Trump trying to do here? The Trump administration wants to see better results faster. Refugees are still showing up in record numbers. President Trump says the governments of Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador aren't doing their part to stop the migrants from leaving their homes. And so he's cutting funding. But some experts are worried that by doing that, even more migrants will show up to the U.S. border. And the timing of this announcement is awkward. Just last week, President Trump's Homeland Security Secretary, Kirsten Nielsen, signed a regional pact with the Northern Triangle members, committing to efforts to combat violence in the region. So what's the skim? Globally, this is impacting U.S. relations with a bunch of countries, not just in Central America. President Trump's been playing the blame game with Mexico as well, telling it to stop the Central American migrants from caravanning through their country on the way to the U.S., And he says he wants to close the border to all trade and travel, which would have a massive impact on the Mexican economy. More than $600 billion worth of trade goes between the U.S. and Mexico every year. And this is all coming to a head at the border. Secretary Nielsen says she's temporarily reassigning up to 750 officers to the border to deal with the recent surge in migrants. She also says they're changing how they deal with people that are trying to come in. She wants them to wait in Mexico until an immigration court can review their claims, instead of asking for asylum in the U.S. While President Trump makes an effort to beef up security at the border, he's dealing with another security situation in D.C. Hint, it's coming from inside the White House. That story's next. Surprise! Tax day is right around the corner. Maybe you're an early bird and filed already. Or maybe you're like the rest of us and haven't even started. Either way, we can all agree that taxes tops our least favorite chores list. Except you don't have a sibling you can pass this one off to. You can pass it off to the tax pros at H&R Block, though. You can go to an H&R Block office near you, or you can skip the office visit and get professional tax prep with their new Tax Pro Go service. Tax chore? No more. Work with an H&R Block tax pro today. We're hearing more details about a story that's been swirling around for a while. It's about White House security clearances and who has one and why. Today, we learned that a White House whistleblower told a House committee that at least 25 people were given security clearances from the Trump administration after they had already been denied. 
So today, three things you need to know about who the whistleblower is and what she's saying. First, the whistleblower is a woman named Trisha Newbold. She's a manager in the White House Personnel Security Office, and she's worked at the White House for 18 years. She says she and other career officials in her office denied two dozen people security clearances. She said they had, quote, disqualifying issues in their backgrounds. Those included concerns about foreign influence, drug use, and criminal conduct. But she says the security clearances were granted anyway. And Newbold told lawmakers that her higher-ups ignored her concerns about how the security clearances were handled. Second thing to know, we don't know exactly who these 25 people are. None of the 25 names have been released. But we do know that two of them are current senior White House officials. And there is speculation that one is President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. It took more than a year for Kushner to get a security clearance. We don't know why exactly, but the New York Times reported in February that President Trump had personally ordered that his son-in-law be given one. Trump later denied this in an interview with The Times. I was never involved with the security. I know that he, you know, just from reading, I know that there was issues back and forth uh, about security for... uh, for numerous people, actually. But I don't want to get involved in that stuff. He went on to say that he didn't think he had the authority to control security clearances. But the president actually does have that authority. And Congress has the authority to look into who has access to what national secrets. That's the third thing you need to know. Congress is planning on investigating this further. Lawmakers are asking for the full list of the 25 people Newbold says she documented. They want all security clearance documents from before June 21st of last year. And they want specific information about how a bunch of people got their security clearances, including Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump, National Security Advisor John Bolton, and others. The investigation will start as soon as tomorrow. That's when the House Oversight Committee is planning to issue a bunch of subpoenas, starting with Trisha Newbold's former boss, Carl Klein. Klein was the White House Personnel Security Director, but now he works for the Defense Department. Newbold says that she tried to talk with Klein and the White House counsel about her concerns with the security clearance process. But she says those conversations went nowhere. There are two weeks left in tax season, and some rising star Democrats are saying that taxes shouldn't just be a fact of life for humans. They should hit robots, too. Or at least the companies that replace humans with automation. So here's the deal. When companies replace humans with robots, they don't just save on paychecks. They also stop paying payroll taxes, which fund programs like Social Security and Medicare. In the U.S., the government collects more than a trillion dollars in income taxes. So more robots would translate into less cash for the government. And for people, it means they could be out of a job. A while back, Bill Gates floated the idea of a robot tax to help balance off that government revenue loss and help workers who've lost their jobs to robots. But this has also become a talking point recently for Democratic presidential hopefuls like Bernie Sanders, Cory Booker, Andrew Yang, and Pete Buttigieg. So expect to hear robot tax again as we head into 2020. And speaking of paying taxes, tomorrow is Equal Pay Day. That's the date every year that symbolizes how many days into the new year women have to work to earn what men earned in the previous year. And yeah, this isn't an April Fool's joke. The Skim wants to hear about your experience with equal pay, how you fought for it, and how you got it. Do you have a story to share? Give us a call at 646-461-6370 and leave us a voicemail. That number is also in the show notes. 
Before we go today, we have a fun fact coming to you from Japan. Heisei is out, and Reiwa is in. Reiwa is a combination of two characters that mean order and harmony. And it's the name of the new imperial era that will begin when Crown Prince Naruhito takes the throne on May 1st. Normally, Japan gets a new imperial era when the emperor dies and the successor takes over. The Heisei era, which translates into achieving peace, began when Emperor Akihito ascended the throne in 1989. But two years ago, Akihito asked to abdicate the throne to his son. It's the first time in over two centuries that's been done. So, first comes peace, then order and harmony. They hope Reiwa sets the tone in Japan for the next few decades. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for starting your week off with us, and we hope you join us again tomorrow. Be sure to hit subscribe, tell all your friends, and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, tomorrow we want to feature your story about how you fought for and got equal pay. Give us a call at 646-461-6370 and leave us a voicemail. That phone number will also be in the show notes. 